Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Sudbury, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. Welcome back to the chat with author, songwriter, and original Much Music DJ, Christopher Ward. In the second and final part of the chat, we finally get to the songs that make Christopher's skin vibrate. And this is a guy who knows his music, my friends. Here we go. Check it out. So, Christopher, uh, you do have some songs here. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for you, Ben. Okay. I was actually surprised to uh, to not see any Kiss songs in your list here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had some honorable mentions, and rock and roll and I was definitely <laughs> not among them. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started I started with the premise that it should only be songs from my lifetime, so I that that excluded um, you know shiverers like God Bless the Child by Billy Holiday or mm-hmm. Sarah Vaughan singing April in Paris, much as I love those records. And I just tried to keep it within my lifetime. But my lifetime is an ever-expanding thing these days. So of course. Um, it, actually, it pretty much incorporates the history of rock and roll now. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask you that. You knew the premise of the show. So when you thought about which five you would include, were there any other conditions that you were thinking about when you put this list together? No, I took you quite literally, and okay. I I just thought about songs that absolutely thrilled me to the core. Um, and I, with those songs, I often can recollect the very first time I heard them. Mm. And um, and it's the fact that they still have a similar effect today. Mm. Um, I mean, for example, the first one on my list is um, Aretha's "Chain of Fools." Yes, and it's like. If I went, you know, across the room and hit that, you know, chain, 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 it would be like, boom, instant hair on end. Like, it's, I mean, it's happening now because I'm, you know, lamely singing it to you. <laughs> um, it's just, there's something about it. There's just that ineffable magic about that song and about that arrangement. And God knows her vocal. And um, the song originally, by the way, written for Otis Redding. Yeah. Um, that's right. Yeah. And then it's been a huge hit for her. And it's funny, I remember, and a lot of these songs carry additional memories that, yes. that are sort of part of the story. For me, in this case, it was seeing her at Roy Thompson Hall in Toronto. And I, I thought I would never see her because I, I knew that she was agoraphobic and didn't tour very much at all, hardly did any shows, and okay. was notorious for canceling the ones that she was scheduled to do. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is the artist that I would most like to see live and will never see. And so when it happened and I went and I got to take my daughter who loved to read the Franklin songs and she was little then she was, you know, I don't know, maybe 14. Mm. And I just, I just looked over at her. And I mean, I was tearing up completely. You know, cause she started with chain of fools and think, which, you know, are just two of the greatest soul performances of all time. And, and there it was oh, right yeah. in front of me. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I was asking just because some people have done retrospectives, but like, I'm glad that you did what you did here because it's the five most immediate skin vibrating songs, you know, that came to you. And it was really easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> that was the other thing. What it was hard to do is just not to have way too many on the list. I know. But there's another one. There's another one that I have for you that is also connected with an, an experience, a live experience. Mm-hmm. And it's a song by the Beach Boys. Okay. And I think when people think of great Beach Boys songs, maybe the ones that make you shiver, they might think of something like God Only Knows. 
Yeah. Which with that beautiful, just aching melody. Or even Caroline No from Pet Sounds. Or In My Room. You know, even good, good Vibrations. Those, I mean, they're all those great songs. But this one comes from a record that came out in 71 called Surf's Up, mm-hmm. which, although critically it's gotten a lot of acclaim, it was not a successful record, and there weren't any hits on it. And if you listen to it, you'll see why. But all the writers in the band had kind of gone off and really started to, you know, dig a little more deeply um, before they brought the songs back from that next record. And this song is called Till I Die. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the few that Brian Wilson wrote both the music and the lyrics. And I will never forget the first time I heard it. It's two and a half minutes long. It is just a gem of exquisite beauty. The arrangement is unbelievable. The singing is incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the, the chord changes and things in it are remarkable. It's a work of art. To me, That's it's just one of those little tiny masterpieces and to this day i put it on and uh yeah it has the same effect that is special i um i'd read about this song that he you know was having this very introspective moment looking at the ocean and thinking about how small he was and we all know you know brian has problems um he brought this into the studio and played it for the rest of the band and one of the members i can't remember who um really mike really, love Oh, it was it well, probably was actually, you know, you're right. Yeah. Um, disliked it and actually mocked it. And so that caused Brian to just put it away and sit on it for a very long time. And he was upset by that. Yeah. Mike said, what a downer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it's called till I die. It could be considered a downer, <laughs> but it is, it's about the, it's about the magnitude of nature and the, our smallness in the face of it. I and mean, he starts off what a, um, I'm a cork on the ocean. I mean, mm-hmm. or later on, you know, I'm a rock in a landslide. I, I mean, for a guy that didn't write a lot of lyrics, it's pretty profound stuff. And it's just a beautiful piece of music. And when I went to see him in uh, 2000 at the Hollywood Bowl, mm-hmm. it was the first time in a long time that he had performed. And he started the show with um, that backing group that, that toured with him, the Wondermints. Oh, yeah, right. And they all were fantastic singers. So he started the show a cappella with seven guys all in a circle around a microphone. I think one of them had an acoustic guitar, maybe just for pitch. And then I think somebody had a shaker. And they did Till I Die a cappella live. And I. Oh, wow. Was, I mean, I was just agog. I ran out of words. So. Yeah. That's a life enriching moment, Christopher. Yeah. Wow. Um, so. Can we roll? We have to roll to 1965 for the next one. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one. This is one that I know is going to be on many, many lists that people bring to you. But it would have been just dead wrong for me to leave it off. And that's like a Rolling Stone because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I I was thinking about it. I thought, well, what is it that makes it special? I mean, just the, from the moment it starts, you know, that rollicking Al Cooper organ part, and then Dylan, he's just this nearing carnival barker inviting you into this fun house of music that he <laughs> creates you know with yeah. that you know once upon a time you just so fine you're through the bumps of dime in your prime didn't you it's just like whoa the whole song is a challenge and i remember thinking i was a kid but i was interested in being a songwriter at that point i was writing poetry and stuff i remember thinking you can write about <laughs> just it, it's like it changed everything you know in one fell swoop it just reordered my whole sense i mean 
you know, the Beatles had already started to sort of push the boundaries. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this was like a revenge theme writ mm-hmm. large. And, I mean, you know, you figured, like, up until then, you know, revenge themes might have been expressed like, you know, my boyfriend's back and there's going to be trouble, right? <laughs> And, you know, I, just for fun, I looked up the charts to see what was on the charts around the same time that the Like Rolling Song came out. Yeah. And the week after it came out, the number one song was I'm Henry VIII, I Am by <laughs> Oh, really? Wow. So, if you wonder why it was such a revolutionary piece, that's, <laughs> that's one reason. He wrote 10 pages of lyrics for that song. He called it 10 pages of vomit. Oh, really? Distilled it down to four verses. And interestingly, he doesn't talk much about the writing of his own songs. He's sort of, I think he liked to maintain the mystery, presumably. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was one that he has talked to, you know, interviewers about from time to time. And he came clean with the fact that this song changed his way of looking at his work and and even to the extent of how he looked upon himself as a creator. Um, so it was profound on, on a lot of levels. Yeah. Were you ever able to speak to him, Christopher? No, I wish. Mm. Although, you know what happens? Sometimes they say, don't wish, you know, you don't want to talk to your heroes because you know, it might be disappointing. But no, I still would have taken the chance if I had had an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Dusty Springfield is next with Son of a Preacher Man. Great pick. You know, I love songs that are distinctly Southern. I mean, that's what I was looking for when I wrote Black Velvet. I wanted to write one of those songs, like Son of a Preacher Man, or mm. Ode to Billy Joe, or maybe like Rainy Night in Georgia. I love that song. Right? Yeah. And all those songs, they have this wonderful ability to set the scene. Yeah. Right right from the drop. I mean, Ode to Billy Joe is probably even a classic among them with... Um, you know, it was the 3rd of June, another sleepy, dusty Delta day. It's like, well, what more do you need to know? Yeah, right? you're right there, yeah. And, you know, and um, Billy Ray was the preacher's son when his daddy would visit, he'd come along. You know, it's like, mm, and what else? You know, <laughs> it's like, that's the only clue you need. You know, the door is opening and you're going to go through. And, and her performance was just extraordinary on that wonderful album, Dusty in Memphis, which is... If you've not heard it, by some chance, it is worth um, worth seeking out. Oh, for sure, yeah. The guys who wrote this song, actually, this is like a little early when we were talking about this, wrote it for Aretha, mm-hmm. and uh, she recorded it, and then they listened back to it, and they went, no, nah, it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the stuff on her record, and they left it off. And that's how, that's how Dusty uh, Springfield, who hadn't had a hit for a couple of years at that point, got a crack at it. Um, and the, but the, the guys who wrote it, wrote the song because they knew that Aretha's dad was a preacher. That's right. Yeah. That's so interesting. Little known facts. (laughs) (laughs) People like you and me got lots of those. Oh, I know. See, I, I, this will be a two part episode, but I knew that this was going to be kind of a geek fest in terms of like those little known facts, (laughs) which is great. Okay, so to cap it off, yeah. and I hope you're with me on this one. Oh, for sure. It's one of my favorite, favorite songs of all time. And again, it just slays me every time I hear it. And it's just my imagination mm-hmm. by The Temptations. Yep. It's one of those just timeless songs of yearning. 
you know, there's there's kind of a, I guess, a, a group of themes like, you know, the one that got away, mm-hmm. or so 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 close and yet so far, that kind of thing. And it reminds me thematically of another song that for me is one, a perfect song. If you can say that a song is a perfect song, mm-hmm. it's um, You Don't Know Me by Ray Charles. Ah. And that song, um, again, like just in my imagination, starts with that little narrative, you know, you give your hand to me and then you say hello. Yep. And I can hardly speak. My heart is beating so. And, you, and from there, you know what the story is going to be. Yeah. It's going to be unrequited love. You know, for whatever reason, in the case of the song, you know, it's like it's his friend's girlfriend. So, you know, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just continues to break his heart day after day after day. And in, and in just my imagination, each day through my window, I watch her as she passes by. And and then he tells himself that I'm such a lucky guy to have a girl like her. Well, it's only a dream come true because it's just my imagination. You know, and and in, to me, that just gets to the most sort of vulnerable parts of the of the human heart. You know that it's like she's so close you can almost hear her breathing, mm-hmm. but that's as close as you're ever going to get. And the story just unfolds so beautifully to the point that at the end, um, you know, it's like he's he's in this ecstasy. I hear a rhapsody, but in reality, she doesn't even know me. It was just my imagination. It goes from there. And by the way. Do not pay any attention to the Rolling Stones version of this song. Oh, that's right. Is it on Some Girls, I think? Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's a shame. <laughs> but the guys who wrote it wrote a bunch of other songs for the Taps, including uh, Papa Was a Rolling Stone and Ain't Too Proud to Beg. Yeah. Norman, Norman Whitfield and Barrett Strong. And they wrote Heard It Through the Grapevine. So these guys had a few hits. Yeah, and, and what's the, I can't remember the guy's name. Is it Wexler? I want to say Jerry Wexler. Jerry, Jerry Wexler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. involved in, in most of this stuff. Aretha Franklin, um, Temptations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. As a producer and also a writer. So, I mean, you, know, yes. you look at some of those guys back then. Jeez. Like, I just love that whole movement. And all these songs that you have are, I want to say, late 60s, early 70s. And the stuff that was going on at that time was just so rich in terms of content and quality, right? Yeah, it's funny. I, I didn't consciously choose songs of an era, but I see in looking back at them, I guess I did. Mm. <laughs> um, maybe it's because, you know, these were early days for me as a songwriter, and it was when I was t- trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah. So the songs that, um, you know, made that powerful impact were the first ones that I would look to as models of writing. Yeah. Well, not a bad template to follow, Christopher, <laughs> if you're looking for blueprints, right? This actually, one more point about that, The Temptations, this is a, obviously a ballad, but I, I think that I'd read something about that where they were forging into psychedelia a little bit, and uh, yeah. one of the guys in the band was a little bit pissed about the fact that fans were saying, you know, you got to get back to your roots, like what's happening to The Temptations, and then they begged for the song to be written, and it was. Well, they did have a bunch of, you're right, it was like Psychedelic Shack and Cloud Nine, right? Yeah. Um, just like not classic, you know, um, R&B songs. Yeah. Uh, but this one was the last one that Eddie Kendricks sang on before yeah. leaving the band. Yeah. And what a vocal. Oh, yeah. Tragic story yeah. for him, too. Oh, 
I they came on my show at much. What? Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Kendrick Kendricks and Ruffin uh, because they uh, they were having a bit of a comeback because they did a video with the uh, Hall Notes. Okay. Um, yeah. Wow. And um, I think they I think they shot it at the Apollo Theater, and it was it was a kind of a cool move on Hall Notes part to bring in you know Kendrick and Ruffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And um, so. It, they, they were doing the circuit and I had a chance to have them on the show. And I'm like, Oh yeah, definitely. And I talked to the record company guy right before the interview while they were getting mic'd up and stuff. And he said, it's been a bad day. Watch mm. out. I went, why? Mm. He said, because people didn't know anything about them. People mixed them up with the four tops and just didn't know their story. And I thought, Oh, oh. well, they won't have that problem here. You know? So I asked them to teach me how to do the temptation stance. Ah, nice. So, that's yeah, great. that was actually actually the thing. If, if there's one moment of my time in much music that I had the most fun, that's the one. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Getting to dance to <laughs> with the temptations to uh, the way you do the things you do. I mean, come on, Brett. How, how much better could it be? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. That's so great. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's a perfect cap to, you know, what I was saying about you being a consummate professional, being able to roll with the punches, but also, you know, do stuff like that. I, that's fantastic, man. Again, tip my hat to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you for doing this today, Christopher. I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate you making the time. My pleasure, man. I was, uh, I was a fan back in the day and, uh, I really appreciate you doing this. So thank you. You're so welcome, sir, and continued success with the podcast. It's it's just such a, a lovely idea. I'm sure you're not going to have any problem finding all kinds of people who want to come on and talk about their five favorite songs. Yeah, well, that's the good news. The other good news is that when you've got your next five, you are certainly welcome to come back for more chat. Oh, I, I start working on it right away. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't, don't laugh. People have been on like three, four times. It's funny. Ron McLean's been on four times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Open door to you, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Grant. All right. Thank you. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, Mr. Christopher Ward. Till next time, folks. Take good care. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide.